What's up, Fight Fans? You are listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Thursday, September 5th, 2019. We are officially at the end of summer. What's up, guys? This is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I am joined by the second half of the double act, Miss Natalie. Hello, Double G. Happy Thursday. Um, Yeah, end of summer, but it's still hot, which is, you know, not surprising in L.A., but it was like 100 degrees in uh, in Montebello yesterday where I went to go hang out with my mom. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I personally, when it's still this warm, I don't adhere to those rules. I still believe that we're in the championship rounds. I wear white. I'm not, you know, like, you know what? It's not done. I'll wear white after Labor Day. I'm not afraid. <laughs> no, yeah, but, um, same. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, you know, the year has really gone by. I think the summer was really busy. Um, obviously, if you cover MMA, if you're a fan of MMA, you got a lot of bang for your buck since, you know, May or June. And then, you know, as we roll on, I mean, the schedule's been pretty packed. So it's really good. We are back at a UFC pay-per-view, but there's a lot going on. Your favorite news item makes another appearance for the 20th consecutive week, it feels like. But, um, no, look, there's big news to talk about. Let's get it right into it. From Shenzhen, China, it, the fight happened a little before, I think, 7 a.m. Saturday morning. Jessica Andrade, Weili Zhang, Natalie, I'm going to go off, so I need to let you take the ball first. What did you think of the fight? Uh, i got to say, that was one of the craziest surprises this year in, in UFC for me. You know, we talked last week, I expected a good long fight, a healthy back and forth, but not at all. Uh, this, was, this was like a, this made me think of like a Disney movie, like, you know, Mighty Ducks or something like we just didn't really follow Wei Li Shang's story, as, um, so we don't, you know, we don't know everything about her, her upbringing or anything. But you know, it's kind of essentially coming out of nowhere as far as the UFC is concerned. She's fighting in her home country for the belt. She kind of was a surprise pick for the for Andrade's first title defense. Most U.S. fans know who she is, but you know, we still we're still at the beginning of our familiarity. And then Lamo, right? This huge. Shocking, fast victory. I would say she called Andrade, Jessica Andrade's bluff. You know, Andrade came out like a like a young like a young buck, a young amateur. She ran out of the gate. She wanted a brawl, and Willie Zhang was like, uh, you know, I got a I got an assault for you. If you want to brawl, I can brawl right back in your face. Uh, supremely impressive from my perspective. Not only because I think it solidified a really really well-rounded skill set that she carries, but also because I think we learned a lot more about her mindset, how quick she is uh, in the cage, her IQ, and that she has a really strong killer instinct. So this isn't, I'm not comparing it to Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua, but it definitely reminded me of that as far as, you know, upset and uh, expectations and outcomes. So how did you see? I mean, it was so fast. What happened really is that my phone, I got a, a notice from ESPN saying the main card is about to start, the main event. I was reading something on the Internet, and I said, oh, I'll just, you know, 10 minutes, I'll wait 10 minutes. By the time I tuned in, the fight was over. 
Oh, my gosh. I was like, holy moly. <laughs> you got it. Hey, it's like when I looked down for uh, Masvidal uh, Askren. It's, right, it's like, exactly. no, that didn't just happen. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, um, uh, uh, quite surprising. I think you uh, hit a lot of the big points. Um, I say this every time we talk about Jessica Andrade. Uh, you, everybody knows how relentless, how impressed I am by her physicality. She brings it. She she fights with that gangster, and really, Wei Li, you know, gave her her own medicine. You're talking about uh, that sequence. She landed a ton of direct hits to just put Andrade down, and she kept going until that ref stepped in. She looked like she was ready to land another 10 more if she had to to get the job done. She was not, you know, conserving her bullets in that first round. Um, in terms of the fight, uh, under a minute, you know, not too much to say. I will say that it feels a lot like Cyborg versus Amanda Nunes. Um, um, you know, Cyborg came in when Amanda, you know, maybe stumbled but not necessarily took heavy damage, but, you know, Cyborg was trying to put the physicality on her. Same thing with Jessica. I think that, look, as she should, she felt very confident in her power. It looked like Whaley looked like she, she saw in her eyes she had to respond to the train coming at her, but she was the immovable object, and she stood her ground. She didn't really take a direct hit. I think she was more a little stumbled by the fact that Andrade was pushing forward but she had the presence of mind. She didn't take damage, and she got the clean hits in. She put the sequence together, and she got the job done. Absolutely impressive. On the mindset, I think that's a big deal. You have someone like Andrade coming at you, and you defend the way she did. Brilliant. A lot of fighters, you get in that position with Jessica. We've seen what happens. So the fact that we had all of that just in that quick fight, absolutely impressive. Um... Once again, I think even if you were very high on Wei Li, you thought this fight could go long because of how good Jessica is and all the traits that she brings. But once again, credit to the challenger who, you know, in the fire, stepped out of it and came out essentially, you know, with her best performance of her career. So absolutely impressive. There's a lot of reason to be excited. Um, with these, you bring up the Ruiz-Joshua comparison. I feel like this is a little, and I hate to say it because I'm a big fan of him too, Lyoto Machida. Everyone is like, are we about to go into the Wei Li Zhang era? Let's not light that candle yet. There is a lot of work to do. Um, first off, Wei Li, you beat Jessica. She beat a perennial contender in Tisha Torres. Now there's quite the stacked lineup behind her. She's shown she's got ability, but she is in a very stacked division at a time when there are a lot of top contenders. So I would say that, you know, she has a lot more work to do. But look, there's reason to be excited. She's a new champion. She's young. She looks like she's at the top of her game and hitting her stride. She's a tough matchup for anybody. The, Jessica, the Wei Li who fought Jessica gives problems to everybody in that top five, plain and simple. So there's a lot of reason to be excited. But she's got a very stacked um, line of contenders behind her, which is where we obviously go next. Natalie, who does get the next fight with Wei Li? Yeah, it's tough to say right now because um, of of where everybody is as far as already you know being booked or injured. So 
Rose Namajunas, firstly, I don't expect to see her again in 2019. So I, I would mm-hmm. consider, you know, not like I've spoken to her or anything, but I would consider her out of the picture for now. Tatiana Suarez, I know she, saw, she sustained an injury off of her fight with Nina Astaroff, but I don't know what her status is. Um, Joanna and Michelle Waterston are fighting. Claudia Gagella, she's number six, so I don't even know it's worthwhile considering her. Um, I guess Nina Ansaroff is, is the one sort of left hanging in the wind there that's not otherwise occupied with a fight or an injury or, or needing time off. That's a fine fight. Nina Ansaroff isn't a ter- you know, uh, doesn't really give strong, exciting performance. I should say not strong performances, not very exciting performances. But it doesn't really matter when you're up against someone like, like Weili Zhang. She can kind of, you know, give you... It's kind of a little bit like Shevchenko. She can knock you out, as we saw with Andrade, or she can kind of take her time and, and work her way through you to a win. Now, I suspect that would be the case with Antaroff, who would never charge at her the way Andrade did. But that's where I'm leaning because of the reasons I, I stated. And again, I don't know where Suarez is. If she's free, then, then that's the fight to make, 100%. What do you think? So you think if, you know, Zhang wants to come back in, let's say, December, November, something like that, and everybody else is booked that answer off by process of elimination, even though she had the loss to Tatiana? Yeah, 100%. It, it would I get be that. that. Okay, okay. Just make sure we're on the same. Um, I, I spoke with Tatiana back in July. She said that um, everything's going well, said she did expect fully to come back in 2019. I'll be honest, for, you know, safety precautions, because I'm a big fan, just like everybody is, I would want to give her extra time before we say, hey, you're about to fight uh, this uh, killer in China or wherever. So I would say that as much as I like Tatiana, even if she comes back, I would want her to wait a little longer, just even if she gets that time in the gym, not necessarily another fight. That being said, I think the calendar really goes back to when does Whaley expect to fight? Does she expect to fight, you know, by the end of the year? Does she want, you know, January or February, you know, marinate in the belt a little bit and, you know, have a party? That's what it really comes down to because that also sets it up. Let's say she wants January. Maybe the winner of Joanna and Michelle Watterson in October. That makes more sense. But for my money, I feel like the UFC is very high on um, Tatiana Suarez. Uh, I think that if she's healthy, that's the fight to make. If not, it is not a bad option to have Joanna or Michelle. Or once again, any of these girls gets hurt. The other one is obviously right there, and it's a great fight. But... For my money, I think it comes down to Wei Li. If she wants to come back in December, they might push for Rose, or they'll see the status of Joanna and Michelle, and they'll go from there to the process of elimination. But if I had to rank them, Tatiana, number two, the Joanna Michelle winner, number three, Rose. That's who I think they're they're breaking it down. Those are, I mean, those are awesome fights. So fingers crossed for Tatiana because that makes the most sense. Um, Rose would be fun too, but like I said, I don't know, man. I don't see that happening. So we Let shall wait and see. Do you yeah. think that we will see Ta- um, not Tatiana Whaley before the end of the year, or do you think that it might be early 2020 that she actually makes the fight? 
I think it'll be close on the cusp. So I don't think it'll be November. It'll be December or January. December, January. I, I think so too. I I have a hard time seeing them just pull her, you know, for another quick one. I feel like they want to. She even said they're giving her like a tour, you know, the tour in Asia. She's going to Abu Dhabi and then continuing on. So I feel like they want to build her up for a minute in terms of promotion, not just oh well, you know throw you back into a fight and all the work is for nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's such a huge opportunity. Like, you know, Dana White was sitting on a win-win situation here because to have another female champion, in, uh, you know, Brazilian female champion, you can milk that in a market that's already well-established with MMA. So that's, that's a nice win. But this is a bigger one, to, to have a, a champion, uh, a first Chinese champion to win in China in a market you're, you're working aggressively to build up you know, they're going to milk it for all it's worth. I think this is probably, you know, they say, you know, parents uh, can't pick what's their, you know, they have two kids or more than one kid, and they say, who's your favorite? They say there isn't one. But even though they were both strong outcomes for the UFC, you got to believe they were leaning more towards Weili Zhang winning just because what it could do for them in that new market. So they're definitely going to milk it and, yeah, probably take up a lot of her time uh, sending her all over, uh, all over, all over Asia to help to help build up this, uh, the UFC. I mean, one championship has a strong foothold there, but the UFC is still the biggest name in the business, so. Yeah, for sure, but I think they'll figure it out, and um, I'm with you. I think that December, January is exactly where we're going to see them, and we'll go from there. But, yeah, look, a lot of good stuff. Um, the Leech, uh, Lee Jiang Leong upsetting LSU Zaleski Dos Santos, one of the best streaks in the welterweight division. So a lot of stuff happening in the early hours of Saturday. So, you know, uh, look, a good night for the Chinese fans. Awesome. You also heard about guys like, you know, Song Yodong uh, returning. Uh, so all of that is good stuff for the market, and I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about what's next after. Moving on, though, we have your favorite thing to talk about, but we have a lot of good reasons, too. There's good news for once. Can you believe it? Chris Cyborg makes it official. She is a Bellator fighter. Um, Natalie, you saw the news. I was a little shocked that you did not text me, so why don't you tell me what was on your mind? (laughs) Well, um... Yes, you're right. I should have. In oh, fact, where were you when it happened? Um, Jeez, keepers, where was I? I don't know. I think I was in the middle of something. I don't know what, because it couldn't have been that important. But I remember seeing the ESPN notification and thinking, oh, okay, great, and then kind of moving on with my day. So that's what happened. But, yeah, I think um, it's great news. It's probably the best of, of her top three options, if I assume that, Bellator, PFL, and one were the top three. Um, so it goes back to you know all our many conversations about Chris Cyborg. I always ended up saying she wants respect, and I think that's the most important thing for her. And then second, she wants someone that's going to help support her brand, help build her brand. Who better than Scott Coker? Who, where better than Bellator? I'm happy for her. I think the whole MMA world is happy for her. Everyone kind of felt uneasy and... and icky about the way the relationship always was and how it ended with the UFC. It was just not good. It, it made watching her fights, I mean, the actual fights were, were exciting, but the lead-up and the post, it was always a little, it was just this air of, 
of uh, uneasiness because we knew that their the relationship was strained. So this is great news. I'm happy for her. I don't know how long the contract for how long the contract um, runs, but whatever it is, I hope it's a solid amount. And you know, she has the ability to make money again with sponsorships. This is win, win, win. What do you think? Well, I was going to ask you, what do you think about her being, um, as Scott Coker quotes, the highest-paid uh, female MMA fighter with her deal? Oh, if it if it's true, that's amazing. And uh, but. But you know, I was. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna quote uh, Luke Thomas. So I was listening to you on the radio yesterday, and he says, you know, that's just them. That's that's a promoter saying something that sounds exciting. But unless unless or until they back it up, we don't know if it's actually true, right? Yeah. So whatever that means, however her contract was negotiated, does that mean that she's getting paid a lot up front? Does that mean she's getting the zone points, if that's such a thing, the way UFC offers pay-per-view points? Uh, no idea, but hey, that's great news. What, who, who was the highest paid woman up until this claim? I guess still Ronda Probably Rousey. Ronda. I don't know for sure. Um, excuse me, like I don't know. It's got to be though, right? Who else? Um, yeah. But again, like, does this mean highest paid over the term of a contract or highest paid per fight? We don't know, but it sounds good, and it certainly makes me want to check out her debut with with Bellator. Yeah, um, on the numbers side, I imagine that it's the highest up front with a lot of opportunity to earn even more, I'd assume. Um, she, uh, I'd be shocked if she's not one of the highest, if not the highest paid on the Bellator roster. Um, just looking at them, I mean, maybe guys like Ryan Bader, Michael Chandler, Patricio Pitbull uh, are, should be making more. Um, and mind you, that's a big if, maybe a Gegard Musasi, but... You're talking about a woman who automatically injects interest and excitement into the division in Bellator. Um, in terms of the, just the whole leaving and everything, I mean, uh, there's nothing I can say that's going to be brand new. Everyone wanted the Amanda rematch. Even Cyborg said, look, I'm not going to shut the door that, you know, crazier things have happened maybe one day, and I would love it, but... This is how the business ran. This is how the cookie crumbled, as they say. So this is where, what we've got. And I think the biggest thing is that she has a lot of options past Julia Budd. There's a lot of girls, the Olga Rubens, Janae Harding. Um, there's a, you know, Arlene Blanco. I know those names don't exactly scream out at you like maybe the Megan Andersons did and everything else. But you're talking about some very solid competition, and if she's interested in just having some fights and staying active two, three times a year, Bellator has that immediately, ready to go. So I think that obviously um, the Julia Budd fight is the big one, but moving forward, she has options. And it sounded, uh, after I listened to Scott Cooker on um, the show and everything he said, he's open to, if Cyborg says she wants to box, all right. Put it in your schedule. We'll work around you. So all of that says good things about what's coming next. I think at the end of the day, it's just when is this going to happen? So I think that's a final question before we move on. I think that I'm going to call dibs now, and I want to go first. That way, if you pick the same, you're copying me. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I think that it's uh, – I think she's going to headline Bellator in Hawaii – I think they're going to do an even bigger uh, venue than they did for the Alima fight last year, 
And I really think that if they double up Alima and Cyborg, they could do the uh, the football, the Aloha Stadium. That uh, it's the only one I think that's even UFC quote UFC size. I think that the one they were at is smaller. I think that um, the, yeah, the Aloha Stadium is the one for people who don't know. That's where they had the Pro Bowl for like ten years every year in Hawaii in Honolulu. So. I think that that's what they're trying to target, is trying to fill out something like that, the same way they bring a big card to Madison Square Garden or even the Forum. Yeah, that, that would be amazing, to go back to Hawaii with Cyborg, with Alimale, and, uh, the, yeah, the Blaisdell, where they had it last December, it's good size. You know, it's, um, I don't know the seat count, but it's good size, but it's not, it it uh it would it would be uh underserving the uh the card if they stayed there just because they could definitely fill way more seats if they went to that bigger place. I think it is out like outdoors, like uncovered. But yep. it's Hawaii, you know. <laughs> when I was there last year for this fight, um, I think I don't even think it rained at all. Maybe it sprinkled a little bit one day but it's like a little drizzle and then it goes away. So I don't suspect that being an issue. I only mention it because I've heard Dana White use that as a reason for, you know, part of why Hawaii never has never come together for them. But that that would be incredible. I, I do wonder, though, if they would, do you think they would headline Cyborg over Alimale in Hawaii? I mean, she's a bigger name, of course, but do you think they actually would do that? In every park, there's the alpha and there's the beta. <laughs> I've talked to Alima a bunch um, before she was champion. Got a lot of love for the Eliminator, but we all know who's the alpha between Alima and Cyborg. Yeah, <laughs> I think sure. even Alima would say, "Yeah, I should be co-main event to Cyborg." <laughs> um, I, that's just, um, yeah, and if anything, they would benefit from each other. I think that Alima brings in people. Cyborg's going to do the heavy lifting. I think it's a win-win, personally. And yeah, also, right. they're not going to cheer any quieter just because Cyborg's in the main event. They're going to be just as loud for Alima. It's not a respect thing. It's just how you promote these things. There's a process, plain and simple. Yeah, uh, yeah. 100% agree. And I could absolutely hear Alima saying, like, oh, no, she should be the main event. <laughs> so... That's for it's sure. like, now, hey, it's like go, hey, good, go tell Cyborg she's co-main event. See how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, look, uh, all joking aside, I, I can, I just think that that's a no-brainer for a mega card. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head how big, but I want to say it's like a hundred grand is the the stadium in Honolulu. I don't know if um. That should be more than the forum or MSG. I'm not entirely sure, but what I'm trying to say is relatable numbers. If there's a big enough card, Bellator tends to be able to bring these uh, events to the bigger venue. Would that do it? I feel like it could get there depending on the ticket sales. So that's just my point is I think that they could really deliver. If they don't, um, she's going to be in L.A. at the forum she lives in the, I want to say Orange County, somewhere out there, um, Huntington Beach. The L.A. Forum card in January that they always do is a shoe-in. Um, gives her time to enjoy the holidays, whatever. I think that that'll be, you know, plan B. If it's not already plan A. Yeah. 
Um, so two things. Aloha Stadium, I just looked it up, 50,000. That's huge. Oh. That's a lot of people. I like that. Two, uh, my wheels are spinning now because of how um, creative and flexible Bellator is. And even though we wanted to see partial, at least I did, Cyborg and Kayla Harrison, do you, do you think, you know, we've seen Bellator do it with Ryzen. Do you think they would ever manage to get a crossover fight with PSL with Kayla Harrison, you know, um, the both promotions coming together to have their, their people fight like, like Bellator has done with Ryzen? Let me, okay, okay. Uh, I am picking up what you're putting down. Let let me look into the crystal ball. Stay with me, okay? (laughs) I think that if they do that, it's 2019. If that were to happen, you're talking 2021, after Cyborg has fought Julia Budd and maybe one or two other girls, she, because here's the thing, I don't know if they would, invite Cyborg for a showcase unless she did the tournament, and then it becomes like a special thing, or even a catchweight fight like 155 or something for both women. I think that that's what you've got to figure out, but I don't think it happens until Kayla Harrison gets more experience, because I would say, well, what if Bellator gets Cyborg once that year, and then Cyborg fights the rest of the year PFL? I don't think that they would allow that to happen just to have, like, the special co-promotion. So if it were to happen, I think it's more likely Kayla to Bellator than the other way around because Kayla is obligated to fight the tournament. Cyborg, not so much. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and, and probably you want you – want, so 2021 makes sense too because you're going to want – Cyborg to, to make her mark, to plant her flag firmly with Bellator first, to establish herself as, like, the top Bellator fighter at that divi- in that division. And then let's go test the waters. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't want to see her part of the tournament if she's the one that travels to PFL. Just, like, a special exhibition fight would be awesome. I'm not going to, you know, shut it out of my, of my mind here. I think it could, it could very well happen. But, but, yes, 2021 seems like, uh, the more likely time for it, if it's gonna, if it's gonna, you know, make it to uh, come to fruition. So, I mean, I just got excited thinking about that. So, fingers crossed. <laughs> I mean, as we should be. Um, moving on, uh, there's like, I don't even know if to call it a news story, but there's the speculation. Ariel Helwani reporting that the Plans for Kamaru versus Colby Covington at MSG are hitting a bit of a snag and that the UFC is actually exploring other options. He threw out there, they're looking at Masvidal Usman. Masvidal tweeted out that he's ready for it if that happens. They've talked about Nate Diaz, Jorge, non-championship pay-per-view headliner. Um, Very bluntly, this reading between the lines, it looks like it's more on the Colby side than the Kamaru side, if Kamaru's still being discussed for the date. But I would imagine Colby is trying to either push it to December, or if he's going to take MSG, he's asking for more money. Now, either way, you know, like I know he, did, he had the cut um, from the, before the Robbie fight and, you know, all that jazz. That's completely in his wheelhouse to negotiate and discuss. 
that being said, I feel like we've, we're talking about it. December seems to be like the sweet spot for a lot of guys and girls to come back. There is a good chance that they're like, hey, there isn't going to be space on the December pay-per-view. We need a big uh, main event for MSG. If you're not ready, we're going somewhere else. So I'm going to toss it to you, though. If Kamaru versus Colby isn't going to happen, what should happen in terms of 170 at MSG? Because it looks like it's going to be a welterweight fight no matter who, who they end up picking. So I really, I really want to see Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz. But, yeah, it should. It should let's see the belt get, get uh, challenged for in which case I think it would be Kamaru Mazadal. That's a great fight. I mean, Mazadal, that was his ultimate goal. He said either the belt or he'll fight Nate Diaz. They're both exciting opportunities. I have a feeling it's going to end up being Usman Mazadal for the belt. Um, it's a bummer because we don't get to see Nate Diaz fight him, but that could be the next fight. Uh, Nate Diaz probably, even though he says he's back, even though he called that Mazadal, does he really want to fight in December? Probably not. Like, he's probably wanting to take some time off. Not because three years isn't long enough, but, you know, he just had this big win. He has a newborn. I think, you know, he's not in a rush to have that exciting fight with Masvidal go down. Like, he's probably happier to wait till the new year than to have it happen around Christmas time. So I suspect we're looking at Usman, Masvidal, and I'm kind of shocked that there's, I shouldn't be, but I'm a little surprised that, that this Colby-Uzman fight isn't coming together. It looked like all roads were leading to this collision, like everybody was on board. So if it is a question of wanting more money, that's fine, of course. Ask for your money. Get what you think you deserve. But it is a little bit of a bummer. I wanted to see that, that beef resolved already, and now it just means we're going to have to hear more talk from Colby about you know, I'm the real champion and I'm not getting treated fairly or whatever. So that's the biggest disappointment for me in this story. I'll be honest. Uh, the speculation for me is like, you know, Colby sounded like he was willing to try to make it happen if UFC met him. He wasn't uh, exactly opposed to November. He was just like, but December's the one I'd really want. That's the only thing I can imagine because for the, you know, let's be honest, they're ready to make this happen. Everybody's ready for them to make this happen. It, uh, yeah. Everyone has said all the right things to say, yeah, let's get in there and let's just do this thing. So that's the only thing I can imagine is happening. It's something that, you know, uh, look, they don't like to, you know, make it a talking point. But the fact is, you know, hey, uh, I don't want to take the fight a little sooner because of X, Y, Z. But I'll be ready in a month extra. That kind of sounds like, well, if you're not ready here, what's going to be the big difference in four weeks? You'd be surprised, sadly, and I get it, but it's just the game that they're playing right now, and that's the only thing I can imagine. I can't imagine it being anything else, honestly. It's just, um, it's just mind-boggling to me at this stage. I, can't, you know, I feel like Colby is making a lot of noise. I'm sure he's getting paid more. He's going to make more on the other side of it for promotion, but... Once again, what else, you know, what's kind of left for the, what other hurdle could, could it be? That's my thing. Um, I'm with you. I think that it's going to be Kamaru versus uh, Jorge for the belt. At the end of the day, yes, Jorge-Nate is an exciting fight, but Nate versus anybody is still going to sell. 
I do think Jorge needs either a Nate or a Kamaru to headline a pay-per-view. I think if you were to put him with Leon Edwards, for example, I don't think that that sells enough just yet. And, you know, that, once again, he's exciting, but he's still getting there in terms of getting people to crack open the wallet for him at the top of the card. So that's my thing. I think that they're going to do for the title. That's still big money. That's still exciting. That's still a great matchup. And Nate Diaz, hey, Conor McGregor still doesn't have an opponent, right? And he wants to fight. (laughs) I mean, let's make this, hey, let's make something happen. Come on. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) You know, I I don't know if I want to see that for Conor's first fight back, but if you listen to that ESPN interview, he's, he's like game to fight anybody at this point. And uh, it's certainly a moneymaker. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing to hate about that fight. I just feel like I'd like to see him fight somebody else before he gets back into that, uh, into that, into that cage with Diaz, especially the way Diaz looks against Pettis. Like, you know, he's a legit threat to anybody. So it's, it's a tough, it's a tough uh, return fight for, for, uh, for Connor. But really, is there an easy one? No, everyone's tough. He wants to fight top five. That's a that's a hard uh, that's a hard return fight for anybody. No, for sure it really is. And um, look once again at like he's got options. Pettis, no, sorry, not Pettis, but Diaz, Connor. So you know, let's let's not worry too much. The fights will happen. There's there's guys out there to do this. So, in worst case scenario, I mean Jorge or Kamaru. After all this happens. Or I'll toss another one at you. Let's say Kamaru versus Masvidal happens, okay? okay? Imagine if they were to do Nate versus Colby in December. Oh. I know. <laughs> Imagine those two talking to each other. Yeah, the lead-up to that would be incredible. Uh, it, it could be incredible. I, I could also see Colby blabbing as usual and Nate Diaz just like, staying silent or walking away because it's, like, so dumb. <laughs> um, you know, still showing up to fight, but, like, not really engaging him because some people are fun to engage with and some people just say nonsense and talk in circles, and that's sort of how I feel Kobe, Colby is. Um, so he's not the most intelligent trash talker, in my opinion. Uh, there's some that are so much better. So it's, it could be exciting, but it could also be, yeah, Nate Diaz just kind of like shutting it down and saying, nah, you're not even good enough to talk to a, talk trash to. But I would love to see the fight, no doubt. I was going to say he's not smarter than the average bear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's true. It's a very temperamental thing, isn't it? But um, I'm ready to see some good stuff, plain and simple. And, um... I'm disappointed because I feel like the Kamaru Colby thing is like, no, really, like, why can't this fight seem to get made? I mean, it's not Tony versus Habib with freak accidents. It feels like it's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that is making this not come together as quick. So I'm just ready for it to go. I'm ready for it to happen. And like you said, it's a bit of a bummer. Moving on, we do have a stacked event in Abu Dhabi, especially in the main event, 
But before we talk about it, I want to talk about one of the other key fights on the card. This one, I think it's got big implications for the flyweight title. Andrea KGB Lee against Joanne Jojo Calderwood. This one, Joanne's coming off the loss to Caitlin Chukagian. A lot of people thought that might be a title eliminator. Andrea Lee is on an amazing win streak. Uh, Natalie, how do you see the fight going down? So this is a good one. I, I would say that, you know, they're both stand-up. That's their, their main go-to. But Joanne Calderwood has shown that she's not afraid to push you against the cage. And, you know, she likes that clinch work, so that's part of her style as well. Or even try to hold you against the cage, maybe maybe even go for a takedown. I'm not sure. But Andrea Lee, she wants to stand and bang. She has great head movement, fast hands. She keeps her chin down for the most part, and she goes forward to pressure fighter. So... If they keep it standing, they could get really excited. I'm worried that it could get a little dull if Calderwood, you know, pushes her against the cage and they kind of stall out there. But apart from that, I expect them to, to stand in the center and, and go back and forth for a bit, which which is a win-win for a, for a, someone like me. What do you think? I really think uh, the same. I think that Andrea Lee is uh, a little more technical. I think that uh, to um, JoJo's credit, um, she's fought in a lot. I think that flyweight is where she has a decent amount of power. Andrea Lee has won a lot. I can't say that she's exactly a home run hitter, and I think that's going to be a big key because I think that JoJo likes to make it a little dirtier. She's going to try to get in her face a little more. I think that JoJo is more well-rounded, but I think that Andrea has the technique to actually keep, uh, keep it away. I think that it's going to come down to the basics, straight punches, footwork for Andrea, and I think she's going to be able to outpoint Calderwood. Um, I think that that's really what it comes down to is that in a firefight, I think that she's going to be able to stand her ground. And in the setups, she's just going to be the more technical fighter. She's going to be the more accurate fighter. And I think in 15 minutes, that's going to just accumulate, and she's going to get the W. So i got to go with Lee on that one. I think that it's going to be a good fight. I think they match up really well, but this one, each scenario, I just see it going to Andrea Lee. Yeah, I agree. I think Lee by decision, and uh, I see the third round getting a little bloody. Um, oh, yeah. You know, they're both super game, and Joanne Calderwood has, you know, that that really soft voice, which is the opposite of how she fights. She can get really aggressive. And uh, and nasty, not in a legal or bad way, but like you know, she smells a little bit of blood, and she'll keep going for you. But she kind of it almost out. doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, it you can't sound like that and then have that job. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Super weird. Um, I feel like she gets a little bit tired at the end there, um, yep. and and uh, Andrea Lee will be able to like kind of pot shot her uh, as the third round winds down. And so, yeah, I see Lee getting the job done, ultimately. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the better fights of the night. Um, look, uh, plain and simple, they stacked it with a lot of um, Habib's friends. Obviously, Zubaira, he's got another teammate on the, um, you know, Zubaira being the guy that Dana White said, nah, you're, you know, we're stopping that. We're not going to, you know, you're not going to fight in the UFC again. Um, he's got another teammate on there. And uh, Paul Felder, Edson Barbosa, solid co-main event. They fought before. It's fun. But let's be honest, everyone is tuning in for Habib versus Poirier. I'd argue that Habib is really, um, 
We're not talking about it enough, but I think this is the UFC trying to see just how big Habib can be. And yes, you beat Conor McGregor and all that, that's a big thing. But you're talking about making Habib the focal point for probably the next year and a half or so if he could stay at the top with the belt. That makes him very interesting. All of this gets very intriguing. But he's up against a guy who could end all of that in Dustin Poirier. Um, Natalie, we've been thinking about this fight since April. It is finally upon us. How do you see it going down for the lightweight title? So I think Khabib is the the fighter that we can say more predictably, like, will fight, will present, you know, a certain type of game plan, right? He uses his hands a little bit. Sometimes he lands. And he actually has a really effective... um, stand-up game with his fist. It's awkward. It's um, unorthodox. But mostly he's using that just to, to take you down. And once he takes you down, we know how the story goes. We've seen it time and time and time again with the best of the UFC, the best the UFC has to offer at 155. He gets you down, he holds you down, and then he pummels you, he mauls you, he smashes you, you know, whatever adjective you want to use. He didn't do it as much to Ally Quinta, which was really cool to see. Um, and I was rewatching the Connor fight. You know, he took him down in the first, just kind of held him down. But in the second, he really went for it and started doing ground and pound. Connor came back in the third. It was, you know, mostly back and forth on the feet. But then I think Khabib was just like, I'm done with this. I want to finish it and go home. And so he took him down and choked him out. So my expectations of what we're going to see from Khabib are not that different from what we've already seen from him use the hands to set something up, or just going for the takedown off of a, a really well-placed time, like timing. Dustin Poirier is the one where, the, you know, the, the question marks are still in the air there. He has, as, we, as I said last week, a super intelligent, great, great cage IQ, strong, heavy hands. He's got finesse. He's got head movement. And I think he's in an amazing gym with excellent trainers and probably had an amazing training camp. So I see Dustin surprising everybody uh, as far as his performance goes and surprising Khabib. I think he's going to be able to neutralize a lot of Khabib's takedowns. Um, And I'll stop there and and pass it to you before I say how I think this will finish up. But, but yeah, I think we're going to see a strong, surprising performance from Dustin. Yeah, I think that... um when I look at the best Dustin against the best Habib, there's a lot of reasons to think this fight could go long. Um, let's just say bluntly, the X factor is Habib's cardio and his ability to keep up the, you know, maintain uh, Dustin on the ground. I think that it's very clear what's going to happen. He's going to come forward, hands up high. He's going to try to make Dustin react to the hands. Then he's going to shoot like a viper, try to get under Dustin. Um, now, we've recently saw, you know, Colby Covington, Robbie Lawler. I think it's going to play out a little bit of the same. Dustin has been drilling those first, that first minute of the fight probably a million times since, it, you know, he won the, the t- fight against Max. He knows he's got to be ready. He's going to sprawl. He's going to try to go to this position. He's going to defend the chain wrestling. The key is can he keep that up? I don't see this fight ending with a freak elbow or uppercut or knee in the first 10 seconds. And if it does, right. I'm going to feel very horrible because that, you know, 
it's fun on the replay. It sucks when you watch a pay-per-view and it ends that way. I'll, I'll be honest with you like that. But <laughs> I think that, um, you know, assuming this fight goes a bit, it's going to be because Habib is trying that. Dustin is going to defend it. The problem is, can he keep that up? Can he avoid taking damage? I am not really sure. I think that this is where the X Factor comes in. I think that Dustin, if he's able to defend it, create space, keep Habib at mid-range, and just get in and out. Just wear him down. You have more firepower. You're going to do more damage with the shots. Um, I think that he's just going to be ready for it. And I think that, that fight, that's going to be how the fight plays out if it's in favor of Dustin. If you're Habib, like you said, he gets you there. It's going to be plain and simple. I think that if the fight goes longer, it favors Dustin. So I would want Habib to kind of pour it on early if he gets the takedown because you don't want it to be a close fight going into the championship rounds if you're Habib. I feel like that's where he kind of tapers off a little. He, you know, we saw the fight with Ayakinta. He wasn't going for as many takedowns. He was kind of content to box with him. I'd want, you know, Habib needs to have this a little bit secure if it goes late because I feel like that's where Dustin's going to rally if it's still there. But, yeah, I think that, um, once again, it comes down to Habib's ability. There's a reason he's undefeated. There's a reason he's gotten to this point. It's because the guys, quite bluntly, haven't been able to stop him. And it's on Dustin to be the first guy to do that ever, if you ask me, since Habib really elevated to the elite level. No one's really come close to being able to stop it. So that's where we're going to be at. I will toss it to you. Someone's got to win. Someone's got to lose. How does it play out on Saturday afternoon? So, I, my heart wants Dustin Poirier, and my head thinks he's going to get it done. I'm choosing Dustin. I think it's going to go the distance, but I think he'll ultimately be able to stuff enough takedowns, not all of them, but stuff enough and do enough damage, touch Khabib enough with his hands to, to get a win. That's what I see. So he's just going to stuff it. He's going to defend and get the job done? He's going to get the job done. He's there you go. Tap him. He's, he might land a few good shots, but mostly it's going to be like jab, jab, and, you know, using his excellent footwork. He's so, such a finesse fighter. I think he's going to get the decision in that manner. Gotcha. Know, Stick and move to the win. Uh, I, no, I, I get what you're saying. I just want to make sure I, like, have it, you know, clear. No, I got you. I am going to go the other way, though. I'm going to go Habib. There's a lot of weapons on Dustin. There's a lot of firepower on Dustin. I think at the end of the day, though, I think that Habib is really treating this like business. There isn't a lot of the circus. I really do feel like he's in there just, you know what, I'm here to handle it, and I'm here to handle Dustin Poirier. I think at the end of the day, um, he's going to get enough takedowns. He's going to get enough uh, time and top control that he's going to take the decision. I don't think Dustin's going to go away quietly. I think something dramatic could happen. But at the end of the day, I see Habib just surviving the worst of Dustin and coming out on top. It could be close. If it, the best Dustin provides a ton of problems for anybody, but I just think it's going to be Habib. I think that he's figured out what he needs to do against Poirier. All right. Let's see. It's going to be a good fight no matter what. And it's, um, you know, I know they've been to Abu Dhabi before, but this is the first time since I've been a UFC fan, MMA fan, that I've seen them there. So I'm excited 
I think they're building a new stadium. Is that true? Yes, and there's a lot of talk about it might be open air and all this other stuff. And, like, you know, I know Paul Felder was like, I don't know what they're going to do. I just know that if it stays this hot and it's open, they are going to have a lot of guys, you know, slipping and sliding. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that works, if that's indeed how it goes down. Yeah, that's a that's a big, uh, that's a huge like logistical um, item to not know yet as a fighter. <laughs> that's crazy. Like, I can't believe they're still not sure what the like final look will be. Uh, but yeah, indeed, if that is open air, that's a game changer for uh, for a lot of people. Depending on where they train, what kind of climate they they're used to. So, wow, okay, let's see. <laughs> I mean, I think it's going to be it's going to be a good one for sure. But yeah, so oh, we are yeah. split. We will see who takes the bragging rights for the month of September next week. Natalie, can you believe that all of that excitement and next Saturday we have Justin Gaethje taking on Cowboy Cerrone? I mean, I that's I forgot until I thought today. I mean, that's some good television. That's excellent television. It's, uh, when did Cerrone fight? Um, uh, June. Like it was just two months ago. June. Wow, okay. Well, he's looking to come back strong. And uh, Keiichi, it's been a little bit of a while, but he's, uh, he's looking really good. He's looking so improved from when he first started with the UFC to now taking into account, you know, how much he was getting beaten up and, and changing his strategy to use the other skill sets that he has, using his, his stand-up game. So this could be very, not could be, this is going to be very interesting. Heck of a fight. It's just like who can take more punches? Who can eat more punches, I think, is what we're looking at for that one. Yeah, I think to me, I mean, you got to talk about just, how good Cowboy looked in the early going against Tony Ferguson. You talk about how good Justin Gaethje has looked. He's looking like the guy we were hoping he would look like when he beat Michael Johnson in his UFC debut. There's a lot of reason to be excited, so I think that's a good one. I've heard this fight be called a bit like the Conor McGregor sweepstakes to give Conor a comeback fight. I don't know if that's necessarily it, but let's be honest. If something happens at the top of the lightweight division... The winner, this one, is right there. Literally, I mean, these are two big names, the two exciting fighters, and there's no question the winner of this one sets himself up for one of these guys in the top three or four that's going to end up on the odd man out, you know, by 2020. So this is a big fight at the right time for both of these guys. So I'm ready for it. I'm ready to see it. Natalie, it's going to be a crazy Saturday. Remember, it is UFC in the early morning and afternoon, Bellator regular time in the evening, so there's a whole day of MMA for people. Where can the fans find you to keep up with you for all these fights? Yeah, I'm going to be uh, on Twitter at NatalieZamudio underscore and at thestraightpunch.com. And, I mean, yeah, you can't ask for, for anything more than two strong uh, top MMA cards in one day. No, for sure. And then, guys, you can find me anytime at Double G on TV. Just spell out the word double. And we'll be back to talk about USC Vancouver next week.